I said in the first service that my, my biggest fear today is that um, I might not give justice to the, to the greatest message in all the world. <laughs> and uh, so I'd just love to start before we even I say one more word. Would you just pray with me? And um, let's ask God to really reveal his goodness to us. Father, we, we do. We just, we just want to stop real, right here, right now, and say um, thank you for being here. Thank you for loving every person in this room. And right now, God, I just want to thank you for being so good. And I pray that you might just surprise us today and that you might speak to us in a revelatory way, in a way that opens our eyes to something that maybe we can't see on our own. And I just pray, Lord, that, you would, that we'd walk out of here with a sense that we, we really engaged with God today. And it was good because you're good. So I just pray you'd help us in that way. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I would love to know <clears throat> who Alanis Morissette was writing that song about. Because that's an amazing song. This thought that somebody would know everything about me. <laughs> that you'd even see the dark side. And you'd see the good side. You'd see the beautiful side. And you'd see the really ugly side. And I love her, her line there, and you're still here. <laughs> Have you ever felt that? You ever wondered that? If, if somebody could actually know who I really am and still hang out with me, that'd be a pretty amazing thing. So I'd love to know. I'd love to know who that was that she was writing about. If she's actually had that experience in this life, she's a lucky woman. Because I just want to tell you, I, I believe the greatest need of the human heart is to be known, really, to be known and then to be loved. That the person who's actually known is loved. And I want to suggest that's why our greatest need as a human being is for God. Because God knows. He knows you inside and out. He knows every single thing. He knows nooks and crannies that you don't even know about. He knows absolutely every little thing about you. And he loves you. The greatest need of your heart is what God says I am. I'm the one who knows you, and I'm the one who loves you. In fact, I heard this phrase. I think it was actually an old song, old Christian song. It said, the one who knows me best loves me most, which is an incredible thing when you're a human being. So you guys, it's our greatest need to be known and then to have that person known to be loved. And yet, to some degree, without exception, every one of us in here is hiding. <laughs> we all hide. This person inside. And so I don't know if you could relate to Ed or not and maybe whatever your issue is. When I thought about that, I just realized this, thinking through this, planning this service, looking through this drama is that I, 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 I'll just talk about me and you can all relate to me, hopefully. And that is that there's this entire person that lives inside of me that nobody knows about. Nobody. In fact, I don't let him out. In fact, I don't dare let him out. In fact, you have this person too. 
inside of you, and you don't dare let them out. Because if you did, that person would get rejected. That person would be laughed at. That person, if you let them out, people would possibly be disgusted with this person that we have inside of us. And at least people would have reason enough to keep their distance you would, you could, if, if you let that person out. And we say, I've said this here quite often, it would be the scary thought of this, of, of, of somehow being able to put a video of my life, we've talked about this before, of just not my life, how about just this week, put a video of my life this week, that, that, but not just a video that shows the actions, but a video that could somehow get to your heart and to your mind, and we could all just watch it. Wouldn't that be exciting? That'd be great. Like, how many of you, if you knew we were going to watch that this week, would actually show up to church? <laughs> Not one of us. Okay, so you laugh, so I know you can relate to this message. You and I hide that person, and maybe for good reason. So here's the deal, though. So what we do is we make another person. <laughs> and we have this other person, and, 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 and we make sure that we hide that one. Hold on a second. Okay, here we go. And we have another person that we let everyone see. Okay, the person that you are right now, that you, know, that you walked in with. And we let people get to know that person. And really, that's the only one that people know us as. That's, if you know Dave, that's the one I'm, I let you see. It's the person that you have, too. We, what we do is we try to make ourselves look strong, right? We, it's the person who's got it together. But then it's also the person that struggles, but just enough, you know, because you don't want to look like you're better than everybody else. So you kind of let out this, how humble you are with the struggles that you have, you know, because then that'll make people think you're pretty cool, too, right? So we let that part out. And then we have this person that fits in with our culture, too. doesn't matter if you're at school or if you're at work. If you live in Sugar House or whether you live down in Drake, we have this person that we let out that fits in with the culture. But the main responsibility of that person is to hide the one that actually struggles. To hide the other person that sins. To hide the person that's weak and that's wounded to hide the one who has these actual like passions and desires, but if they actually, actually ever got out, they'd be culturally unacceptable. The main responsibility of the person we let everyone else to see is to shove this other person down. Don't let them out. The problem is that person is us. That's who we are. And what we do is we live with this false person that we let everybody else see. And you guys know it. That's a cool tune. And, and we, let, we, let, we let everybody see this other person, but we know that that's not really us. And so we're hiding. We're all doing it. And the frustrating thing is, even when that false person gets accepted or that false person gets accolades or the people go, man, you're awesome, when you look in the mirror, you know that there's this whole other person that's never actually getting touched, that's actually never getting accepted and never getting loved. Uh, Brennan Manning, in his book, Abba's Child, which you should read for sure if this message hits you at all today, he says this, living out of that false self creates a compulsive desire to present a perfect image to the public so that everyone will admire us and nobody will know us. 
And the greatest need of the human heart is that you would be known. And that that person who's been shoved down would actually be loved. But there's no way I'm going to ever let you see who that person is. Then how does the human heart ever fully come alive? Manning says this, the sorrow of God lies in our fear of him, our fear of life, and our fear of ourselves. Because if you think about it, that's all hiding is, right? I kind of already went through it. The reason we hide ourselves is because I'm afraid that you might reject me. I'm afraid you might judge me. I'm afraid that if I came out, you might, I might lose what I've got. If I come out, here's another one. Sometimes we're afraid to really be who we are because if I actually go out with my passions or my dreams and I fail, then what am I? I'm a failure. So sometimes we just keep those inside because we really don't want to risk that. And for some of us, the reason you're hiding who you are is because that real person has been abused. That person has been beat up. That person has been struck down, and the last thing you're going to do is stick your head out of that shell and let someone else do that to you. So you just put it in here, and you protect it, and you put it down. I'm telling you guys, actually, let me say this. Actually, sometimes it's wise to hide, isn't it? I mean, hiding sometimes is the right thing to do. There's wisdom in hiding. If you know you're going to be around somebody and they're not a safe person, right, and you stick your head out there and they're going to somehow wound you and beat you or abuse you, whether it's physically or mentally, sexually, spiritually, whatever, then the wise thing to do is actually to hide. The problem is sometimes this world is just brutal. In fact, have you guys ever heard this? Hurt people hurt people. You ever heard that? Hurt people hurt people. And when I think about that, you guys, I know that's true for me. When I can look at the people who I know who I have really hurt, you know why I hurt them? Because I was acting out of my own wounds. I was acting out of my weakness. And when you run into my weakness, I'm going to hurt you. And then when I think about the people who've hurt me, if I think about the times I've really been wounded, you can almost realize they were just acting out of their own wounds and their own hurt and abused heart. And so the reality is, you guys, there's not a soul in this place right here who hasn't been hurt. There's not. Is it not a risky thing to lay out your heart to another human being? I'm telling you, that is scarier than all get out. So sometimes it's wise to hide. But the problem is we go too far and we never let the real person out. So let me ask you about this. That may be people, and this is a church, you guys, right? <laughs> this, is, this would hopefully be a place that would be a little bit different than that. But there's not a person in this church who hasn't been hurt. There's no way that we're not going to do that to each other. That's just the deal. But can I ask you this? What about God? What about God? He is the safe place. He's the safe place. And that's what I want to look at today, you guys. He's the one, again, he knows you. He knows everything that's ever happened to you. He knows everything that you've ever done. He knows everything that you think. He knows all of your junk. And he's the one who loves you. And that's why his sorrow lies when we hide from him. Because he knows I'm what your heart needs. I am. 
And if you could somehow not hide from me, I'm telling you, a whole new world could open up for you. And I just want to tell you, it starts with God. You know, and that's where some of, some of us in our journeys, the problem is we've been working with people, even in the church, and we've been hurt by people. We've been wounded by people. And sometimes I think the reason we hide from God is we think God's going to treat us the way that people do. Do you guys know God's this thing called holy? <laughs> and we're not. God is perfect. God is love, even by definition. He can do nothing but that for you. And I just want to encourage you, man, as we go into this, if we can trust and believe God, then he, be, he can begin to touch who you really are, the person that you're hiding, and all, I'm telling you, your whole life can begin to change. So today, I've got a challenge for you. You're going to be really surprised by this. Here's what I want you to do today. I'm hoping that by the time you walk out of here, you will actually be able to say yes to God. I'm going to challenge you today as I've challenged you the last three weeks, to fight to believe. To actually really believe. Especially all of you who might be religious, all of you who might be Christians, I'm going to tell you, I want you to go to a different level today of actually believing God. Two things I'm going to challenge you to believe. The first one is this, that he actually likes who you are. I'm going to challenge you to believe that he likes your natural self, just who you are as a person, and I'm going to challenge you to believe that he died for your sinful self. He likes your natural self, and he died for your sinful self. I'm going to challenge you to believe that he loves who he made you to be and not the person that you're trying to be. That God isn't so interested in that false person. He's interested in the one that got suppressed. And God is faithful and just to forgive all the stuff that you're hiding. And we've got to believe that. All right, so let's jump into the first one. I'm going to try to be quick through this one. This whole idea to help us believe that he actually likes who we are. So let's go to Psalm 139, starting with verse 13. David, the psalmist here, the king of Israel, is crying out to God, and he says this, For God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Look right back at verse 13. He starts off and he says, God, you created my inmost being. What's your inmost being? I would, just, I would suggest that your inmost being is you. <laughs> Stole that from Oswald Chambers. That's you. That your inmost being is your heart. It's the deepest part of who you are as a person. It's the center of your life. It's your personality. It's your desires. It's the things that you love. You guys ever notice that? Why is it that in this room right here, there's such an incredible diversity of the things that we love? Diversity of passions and desires and gifts. Differences in intellect. I mean, if we went around and we shared about our lives and our heart, we would get however many people, 450 maybe people, different answers in this room. Why? Because when God was creating you, he actually created your inmost being. Now he goes on to say, I created your frame too, okay? Your body, your bone structure, right? The whole bit, I did. But the other part that we got to remember is God said, and I made you who you 
are, and I like it. I like it. It's exactly what I want you to do. And so you have, in this room, you have gifts, you have abilities, you have purposes, right? Because he says all the days ordained for you were written in the book before one of them came to be. God knows why you're here. That's why we talked about it two weeks ago. You have a purpose. You have strengths that nobody else has. See, and I, and I love it because the world always catches up to God eventually. They really do. And so what do we do? In the world today, we've got Myers-Briggs personality test, right? And we've got the disc. How many of you have taken the disc? Only three of you? How many of you have taken the disc? Just curiosity. Okay, wow, not very many. How many of you have taken the Myers-Briggs personality test? Okay, quite a few of you. And now this new guy's come out, and he has this thing called Strength Finder. See, now why are we taking the Myers-Briggs, and why are we taking the disc, and why are we taking Strength Finder? You know why? Because we want to know who we are. <laughs> who am I? And I tell you, these things really help. I love them. Susie and I used them in our marriage. Man, if you, haven't, if you guys don't know what your wiring is, that's really what the Myers-Briggs is. This is how you're wired. This is how God made you to be. I remember the first time I took the test, I was in college. And when I took it, you know, I've never done one of these things before. And they give you back a, a paragraph or whatever of who you are. And I'm reading it in the class, and I literally went, oh. And I covered it up. Because I'm like, I didn't know anybody knew this about me. I mean, literally, it was like, this was vulnerable stuff. You know what that did for me? That finally made me realize, that's who I am. Do you guys, like, have some things in your life that you just don't like about yourself? I mean, I have all these quirks and these crazy things that drive me nuts. And I always feel like I should be like you, or I should be able to do that. And see, what the Myers-Briggs and DISC and Strength Finder does, I think, is a great tool to actually help you to realize, no, you know what? God designed your inner being. Be it. And just chill. And quit trying to be what everybody wants you to do. The other thing that's great is I know Susie's. I also know all my staff's. See, and what's great about that is then I can let them be who they are. And I can understand why they do the things they do and why they, they, they're all quirky too, right? Everybody else is quirky. And we have this hard time getting along. But once you can find, this is how God made me. You guys, it can make such a difference. And some of us have had our hearts wounded and shamed. And I watched this, this drama, like with Ed. The poor dude. I mean, come on. If you, guys, you guys have been, right, to Little League games and baseball and football and all whatever. The, and you've seen... I remember one time I went to a, to a, a game, here, Steve's here, and I went to watch his son play, and this grandpa, I think it was actually that day, was just ripping on this kid. This is a man who as a child had his heart stamped on. And some of us in this room have had that. You've been shamed for who you are and what you've done. And I love this drama because what did Ed want to do? He wanted to like, be a band director. Could he ever actually be what he wanted to be? Are you kidding me? He's been so shamed into being, now he has to be what his dad is, and he hates it. Don't raise your hand. Anybody relate? You're totally doing something that isn't even you because you've been shamed. And I just want to say today, I think God wants to let you know, you guys, you got to not hide who you are. Now I can just tell you this, you guys, this is long. This is really, this, this book, uh, there's this book right here. It's called Waking the Dead by John Eldridge. And um, you can go ahead and write it down for somebody else because I'm sure you don't have this issue. But I would tell you to write this book down 
because one of the things he said in here, it, it really helped me. It's a long-term process, but years ago when we first moved here, one of the things he says in his book is this. We have a spiritual enemy, and he tries to wound us in our strengths, not our weaknesses. He doesn't care about your weaknesses because your weaknesses aren't ever going to be anything anyway, really. God, because like for me, it's like I'm not the body. I'm a part of the body. And see, once you realize it's okay just to be a part of the body and you don't have to be everything else, but your enemy, what he does, our spiritual enemy, he wounds you in your strengths. Oh my gosh, when I read that, it was like a eureka. The light came on for me. And I can look back at my life and I can remember the times when somebody said words to me. Yeah, sticks and stones will break your bones and words will never hurt you. No, they will kill you. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. The power for life and death is in the tongue. And I was told things that when I looked back, I realized that was limiting my area of strength. And I got so ticked off. Because, as I think we've said this here a few times, there's this great quote where it says, the glory of God is man fully alive. Well, fully alive is being who you were designed to be. And I want to tell you what, the enemy is going to try to keep you from being who you are. And if you've been shamed, if you've been cut down, and you know you are not being who you are, I want to encourage you to start fighting the fight to believe that God designed you for who he is. And it's a long journey. This would be one place you could start by reading Waking the Dead by John Eldridge. It could just walk you through a process, and it could be really helpful. All right, you guys. So the other, the other book I just want to tell you about, too, both these have just been huge for me, and that's Abba's Child by Brennan Manning. And if you can sit here today and you go, I know I have a false self. I mean, I know I'm putting somebody else out there because I'm too scared to be who I really am as a person. Abba's Child will help you get to the depth of that issue and how you can start being. And can I just tell you what I love about him is I feel like he talks mostly to people who are really successful because many times it's the people who are cranking it out who really aren't who they really want to be because they got to try to prove something. If that's you, I encourage you to read this book. All right, so that's the first one. If we could start to believe that God actually made us who we are and start fighting to be that person and not the people that everybody else wants us to be, I'm telling you, you could start to be free not to hide anymore. Let's talk about the second one. The second one is this. The other self that we hide is that sinful self. It's the dark side. And as we talked about in here, I can tell you this. Surely, you know, here at church, like we talked about, if I actually let you see the struggles in my life, I, I, it is, it's so scary. I feel like you would just cast me out. Because I know if you could see me, and you maybe feel this way too, if, you, if, if people saw your dark side, you know you would be judged. You would, wouldn't you? You would be rejected. And you would be cast out. And especially here at church, because here at church, we're holy. Right? We've got it all together here. This is the best place to wear your mask. Actually, it's the worst place to wear your mask. And the problem is the church has always been the place. <laughs> this is so sad. The church is the last place that anybody would ever want to show their dark side to. And we're supposed to be the body of Christ. I say this, sometime we're going to do a, 
Maybe it'll just be a guy's night. There's some times where I just want to go ahead and I just want to say, take here, look. It is really hard to be a human being and there's struggles in this, you guys. But I want to say, we might be judged and rejected and cast out by others, but here's the issue, you guys. What about God? Are you hiding from God? Because you think he would do that to you? Do you think that God would reject you? Do you think that he would judge you? Do you think that he would cast you out if you came to him and said, God, here I am? Obviously, I think the case is yes. Because many of us in this room right now, some, this is so funny to me too, we think, we, we totally are living in darkness. And then we hide it from God. Because he doesn't know. Of course he knows. But it makes us feel better to think that we can stuff it down and not actually engage with God because somehow we think we're, our hiding from him is going to keep us from he, feeling his wrath. And I just want to say to you guys here right now, we must say yes to God and begin to believe what he says and not what we think is true. To begin to believe what he says about you and not what the church says sometimes, unfortunately. Okay? So I just want to quickly at the end here just go through 1 John chapter 1, starting with verse 5. And it says, John starts off and he says this. So guys, okay, as I go through this, just struggle to believe this. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Let's just sit with there for a second. God is light, you guys. There's no darkness. In Psalm 139, the other passage I read to you, right before that, David says, if I go into the darkness, there you can find me. Because even in the darkness, the darkness is light to you. See, see, God isn't hidden anywhere. You can't hide anything from him. He's absolute truth. He knows everything. The cool thing about God is he even knows why we're screwed up. See, and that's why we're paying millions of dollars to therapists all over going, why am I so screwed up? And God knows. He knows the deepest parts of who we are. Nothing is hid from him. Nothing. Not what happened to you, not what you've done, not what you think, not what you feel. He knows it all. That's part of what it is to have God be in the light. The other thing that what it means to be in the light, though, the light is the symbol of everything that's right, everything that's good, everything that's pure. There is nothing evil, nothing wicked, nothing bad, nothing of the dark side in God. He is pure in all of his ways. So he goes on to say that, I declare to you God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Now, keep that up there. Let me, let me just kind of go back a couple weeks with you. Why are we here? You exist to be in a relationship like this with God. You are here to say yes to God, but when you say yes to him, what that means is you're saying yes to an intimate fellowship with God. This is what we're made for. Our struggle is that we don't. We, 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 we walk in darkness. But what, do you guys see what it says there? It says, if you claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in the darkness, you are a what? A liar. In other words... 
God is light. If you're walking in darkness and hiding all these things from him, there's no way that you're experiencing why you were made. So if you ever find yourself going, man, I wish there was more. Whether you're a follower of Christ or not, even if you are a follower of Christ, I wish there was more. Can I just tell you that maybe one reason there's not more is because you're saying you have fellowship with God, but if you're walking in darkness, you don't. You're missing out. Now, the greatest part is he goes on to say this. And and actually, I'm going to go down to verse 8, if I can. And he goes, now, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves, and we're not living in the truth. Verse 10 says, if we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar, and we're showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So so here's the other thing. You can't say, I have fellowship with God, but I walk in the darkness. Mm, No, you don't. No, you're a liar. Oh, you're right. Well, then I don't have any sin, so I can be with God. Mm, No, no, you're still lying. Still not, still being deceived. Okay, there's a couple things we got to work on here. The first one is if you think you don't have sin in your life, then you're missing it. Okay? That, the Bible would say, that's not true. If we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. So sometimes the lie that we're buying is that we're, no, that we're totally cool with God. I can totally sin. I can totally live in a way that's completely opposite of God, and he's okay with that because he just loves everybody. So you can just do whatever you want. And God's going, oh, man, we got to let you know that's not true. Every person in the world sins. That's the point. Okay, well, then how can I have this fellowship with God? Okay, well, there's a solution. When we go to chapter 2, starting with verse 1, and John says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. I want you to have what you were created for. He goes, but if anyone does sin, and by the way, you will. I just told you that. We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. This is the part I get nervous about. And I hope that even just reading that passage, God might be speaking to your heart right now and just saying to you, I know you sin. I know you struggle. Just like the priest said, I knew you would. And that's why I'm telling you, I provided a sacrifice for you. In fact, 1 John 4, 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ would lay down his life for us. He laid down his life for us. And so, you guys, that's the solution. And then he goes on, and I just, in verse 9, chapter 1, verse 9, he says this, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. How do you walk in fellowship with God when you're a sinner? You confess your sin. Which means to agree with God. It means to say yes to God. So you guys, here, when we were planning this service and we were coming up with this drama, we were just sitting there, and I I feel like what we wanted to help you to see by doing this was that so many of us walk in like Ed, feeling cruddy about who we are as a person, and then feeling like we're totally 
well, we have actually totally blown it and we're in sin. And so we come to this figure, this God figure in the priest, and there's like this wall, right? Because he's holy and we're not. And there's this wall, and I remember, I'm not Catholic, so, you know, we talked to some people who were Catholic who helped us design this whole deal. But I know, like, in the movies, at least, there's that little window, right, where the priest will go, you know, all right, I'll give you that much of me. Whisper to me all your stuff. And there's this dividing wall. And what we were thinking was, but what if we could show you that this is not, and I don't mean, I am, I'm not trying to... Uh, to say there's anything wrong with confession in the Catholic way, but, I, but I, what I wanted to say was, did you guys know that God does not sit on the other side of a wall and say, come on, all you little crummy people over there, you just stay over there, and I'm over here. No, what did God do in Christ? It says he got up, and he left his place in heaven, and he's the one who came around to us. And I just thought, I've never seen a priest do that. Maybe they have, but I just, you know, in the movies they don't anyway. And I just wondered, what if we could show you that that's what God wants to do for you? He comes to you. And we wanted him to say, Ed, look at me. Look at me. Because when we normally come to God, what we do is we... You know, and we grovel like this. You know what it says in Hebrews 4? It says, let us approach the throne of what? Judgment. No. This is good news. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. <laughs> now, how many of you, with what you did last night, want to just walk in to the presence of a holy God with confidence? But you know what? If you've received Christ, all your sin has been forgiven. You don't walk in on your merit. You walk in on Christ's. And when you sin, okay, guys, this is all you Christians out there. This is what you have to fight to believe, that when you're walking in darkness, you will not have fellowship with God, but simply what you need to do is come to him and confess your sin, and he'll be faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do you really believe that? And I'm telling you, we struggle for long periods of time walking in darkness when we simply need to come with confidence to God, and here's what he does. He's the one who's what? The lifter of our heads. He is the one whose face shines upon us. When's the last time you saw God's face shine upon you? Because you're his dearly loved child and you're completely forgiven because of what Christ has done for you. Now, is that not good news? I'm telling you, do you see where this whole works thing is just a pile of garbage? Where you gotta try to be good enough for him? Oh, you guys, why are you hiding? Why are you hiding? What makes God sad? when you're afraid of him, when he's already done everything that's necessary to show you how much he loves you and you can be forgiven and cleansed because he doesn't want you to stay that way. I write this to you so that you won't sin. Let's keep growing. That's what we talked about last week. Let's not stay stuck. But some of us are stuck because we don't believe that God really loves you and he demonstrated his love by dying on the cross for you. And it's ours. It's yours. And it's yours today. So band, come on up. And what we're going to do, you guys, is we're going to end our service. And here's where I just go, you know what? 
you know, I can't manufacture anything. I have no idea what God's doing in your heart. It's all between you and him. But I'm going to tell you this, man. We have been praying for you today. We have really been praying for you today. And I got to believe that there's some of you sitting out there today, and you've been hiding who you really are because you've been shamed and you've been cut down, and it scares you to death to think about being who you are. And I think you need to hear from God today. I like who you are. Would you struggle and fight to believe that? And then there's some of us in here in this room today, and the reality is you're walking in darkness. You're completely hiding from God. And I just want to tell you, maybe today would be the day for you to just be able to say, you know what, I'm going to come out. I'm, I'm going to walk in the light. I'm going to agree with God. I'm going to lay myself before you, and I'm going to hope to high heaven you are who you say you are and that you won't strike me down. Can I just tell you, I guarantee you from the word of God, he will be faithful and just to forgive you. Not based on your merit, but based on what Jesus Christ has already done. Come on, man, if you're in the dark, let's get in the light. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to celebrate communion together as we worship this last time. For those of you who aren't sure what this means, Jesus, when he was getting ready to show the full extent of his love, he said, I want to make sure you guys remember this, because this is a really important moment here. And I want to make sure you remember this. So when you gather together, I want you to take bread, and I want you to remember that this is my body that was broken for you. And he said, and I want you to remember that I, I was willing to do that. Remember my love. I love you enough to die so you don't have to. And I do, as, as the bread's passed out, you guys, and you grab that, do what he said. Believe him. He loves you enough to give his life for you. There's no greater love. And then he said, I also want you to remember that I died so I could completely forgive you of all of your sin. I'm going to shed my blood so that you won't have to. And so this juice is going to come by, and he said, when you grab that, you hold that, and you look and you remember that it's already been done. I've already been forgiven. If you've received Christ, he says, if you believe in me, and receive me. You become a child of God and all of your sin is wiped away. And if that's you today, come on, get out of the dark. Maybe you need to, before you take that juice, maybe you need to agree with God and confess some stuff to him right now and then take it down and let it go to the deepest part of your being and believe I'm forgiven and move on. Forget what is behind and press on and be the person God created you to be. Later on as well, we're going to take our offering. We just want to say it all right now. When the offering comes, you guys, if you're visiting, don't worry about the money. This money is so not about you. But again, the offering is, again, it's just another symbol of our trust in God. And just to say, man, Lord, thank you. It's just a way to say thank you to God and bless him back. And if you want to do that, let's do that. Let's worship together. Let's get to the depths of our heart. Let's get the darkness away and all the lies and deception. And let's believe how the goodness of God that he has for you. Let's stop hiding. Let's do it together.